Katrina's in the house, if you didn't know. <laughs> well, listen, thank you. Uh, it's good to be here. Um, we bring you greetings from uh, Jeremy and Gretchen. We uh, ran into them a couple of times. Actually, they've been there for a while, but uh, they're on the other side of town, and we occasionally run into them. We, uh, uh, they invited us over for Thanksgiving, so Jeannie and Josiah, our son, were able to go over and have, have uh, Thanksgiving with them. And, and uh, Yeah, it's uh, expensive stuff. So, um, Jeannie's just going to bring you kind of up to speed a little bit about what we're doing, our family. Some of you know us. Um, how many of you know us? From so there's a few hands, there's a couple of people that recognize us. So, uh, just to bring you up to speed on our kids and stuff, and a little bit about what we're doing, and, uh, and then we'll come. Yeah. So if you um, met Mike and I met, oh, we met a couple times in 1978, and then again in 1981, 82, and we got married in 1983. So this last June we were married 30 years, and we spent the first seven years of our marriage here in Laconia, Meredith area. Um, so, uh, the short story is, okay, so Teronga, New Zealand, this is out at Mount Monganui, which is from the top of a dormant volcano, and everybody hikes up there on Sunday afternoon or walks around the mount, and that's kind of a peninsula of downtown uh, Mount Monganui, the hot spot to be, and that's where we're based right now, um, from New Zealand into the South Pacific. So some pictures of our kids real quickly to bring you up to speed. Oh, that's me with the koala bear. Um, that was in Australia in 2010. And Mike, as the sh our newest ship, the Pacific Hope, came into harbor this year in July of 2013. So Mike sailed on the ship. I was home holding the floor in New Zealand. So I haven't actually sailed on that ship. So our oldest daughter, Susie, this is uh, three or four years old now. Um, and this is a little more recent picture, so they now have three little girls that are turning eight, five, and two in April. So, yes. Um, so, and they're living in, they were in New Zealand with us for about four years. They are in Harrisburg, Harrisburg Pennsylvania, Hershey, Hershey Chocolate. They are down there by Hershey Park. So that's where they're living. Um, our daughter Kate, our second daughter, who got to follow her lifelong dream to become a nurse, and her husband Drew, who's an IT data analyst specialist, amazing guy, and they are living in New Plymouth, New Zealand, um, and doing well. Um, Havala, Havi, who's about the same age as Katrina, Mar Martha and I were pregnant together, and um, they're living in Phoenix, Arizona. She was all, all our kids were in New Zealand with us, but. Javi came back to Phoenix, Tempe, with David, and they're expecting their first baby in March. So, yay! So we have a grandson coming, and our jo son Josiah, who is, uh, followed his dream after having been on the ship as a deckhand, he went off to the Maritime Academy, and now holds his second mate's ticket, or license, and is working as a third mate on this ship, the Kakariki, which is about the length of two football fields, and he gets to drive this thing, and I am like, Oh my gosh. Um, it, it, that's a bulk fuel tanker, so they carry all kinds of grades of gasoline, which we call petrol, jet fuel, diesel fuel, heavy diesel. It's all in there, and one of the game rules is do not mix them up. Do not have oil spills. And he's loving it. And he's loving it. And this is our adopted in daughter, Melody, who was originally from the New York area and was great friends with Susie. There, she's living in New Zealand now with her son Jacob and her fiancé Marcus. 
So just for old times' sake, there's Bob and Dory about the time they were married, and my mom and dad about the time they were married. And these guys, these these four people, um, my mom's the last one left um, with us, but they have just been a rock and an example to us of, of dedicated marriage and working together and and just sacrificing for one another. This is a picture of Mike's family when they were moving from Chicago to New Hampshire, I think, um, just before they left. And that was in 1965 or 66. Um, and my family's been on the farm for literally 109 years. So this is our mission field. We are based in New Zealand, and we feel very much called to New Zealand, but as well to all the South Pacific. Sometimes This is just a few of the places that, well, these are the places we go. There's like millions, hundreds, thousands of islands out there. So we call it the liquid continent, but a lot of people, you say, oh, we're in Fiji, or we're in Vanuatu. They don't even really have a clue where we were. So the ship sort of operates in that that little region. And we were, we did spend two months over in Papua New Guinea when the previous ship we had was transitioned to Australia YWAM. Um, so we serve in, we were in Papua New Guinea in 2010. Literally, for Mike and I, that was the worst poverty we had ever seen. It was a real wake-up call. Um, and these are just some of the pictures, and you'll see some more pictures. We go in, um, we are with YWAM ships, Marine Reach, and our goal is to use ships as a vessel to take help, to take practical help in the form of medical aid, but lots of other things. We want to branch out into educational aid, training teachers, bringing resources where where they have so little. We do all kinds of things. We we take handymen and we fix stuff and we weld stuff and we fix motors and we build steps for people that need steps and we paint houses for widows and we put in water tanks where there aren't water supplies. If you think, you know, people say to us all the time, oh, I'm not a doctor or a nurse. What could I do on your ship? It's like whatever your talent is, I guarantee you we can probably use it. If not on the ship, God's going to use it somewhere because that's the kind of needs there are. So as a teacher, I just, my heart burns to get in the schools and help and come alongside these teachers have so little to work with. And this year we did get to do that. This was me um, on a, uh, in this school in the Solomon Islands on the island of Guadalcanal, which you may recognize the name from World War II history. This was a Christian school. This is a Christian school, six classrooms, 670 students. Do, do the math on that one. They actually run it in two sessions, but the sessions are only two hours long. So that's all the school that these kids get in a day. They come from 8 to 10 or 10.30 to 12.30, about 50 kids in a room like this. And you can see dirt floors, old beat-up blackboard. There's, there's, those are just open windows. If it rains, tropical storms, those floors just turn to mud, and basically the kids go home. Um, there, this was a Christian school started in an area where there was no other school. Um, hmm. This was just a, what I want to say, a cultural event. I got to be in the village, and they showed us how they used to, they, they shred their veggies on this long, rough stick. That's their food shredder. And they did a whole cultural thing with their dance and preparing food and uh, the freshly butchered chicken, and then we got to eat it. This is just some shots from the ship in the engine room. This new ship that we purchased in um, last March is 
is sailing, but it needs a lot, a lot of work. So um, there's a lot of refit going on right now in Teranga. This is where it's, it's based right now. This is the ship's home. We actually did, I came on the ship with Mike. We lived on the ship for about six weeks just before we came to the States. Um, the whole thing about what we do is a two-handed gospel. We, we bring practical stuff. We bring medical help. We bring just help in a bazillion ways. And people say, why are you doing this? Ding! You have an open door. Because Jesus loves you. Because we want to show you in a practical way how much God loves you. And that's our purpose. It's not, it is about the medical care, but our primary purpose is we're speaking to these people in a language that they understand. We meet real needs. We come alongside them. When we can't physically heal somebody, when medical help that we have isn't enough, we are still able to comfort people, to walk with people, to encourage people deeper in their relationship with God, if they already have a relationship with God, or to open doors to, to find God. Um, and that's, that's what we've been doing. You know, where there's just stories and stories. I said to Mike, I won't get into the stories. Where's Mike? <laughs> gone okay let me okay let me tell you one quick story about um, a girl named Sipa 13 year old girl we met in in Samoa um, most of the time when we're doing cataract surgeries you know you think of old people needing cataracts removed but sometimes we see younger people because of the bright sun off the water this girl was a bit different she was born with a congenital uh, defect of what they call displaced lenses in her eyes and as time went on her sight just declined and declined and declined till all she had was a little bit of peripheral vision. If she held something out like this, she might be able to read just a little bit out of the corner of her eye. The, the doctors, the, the one ophthalmologist in Samoa had operated on her one eye earlier, I guess the year before we were there, and it was a failed operation. She was permanently blind in that eye. There was no hope for that eye. The parents brought her to the ship when we were there and said, can you operate on her other eye? Is there anything you can do? And the doctor looked at it and said, I think I can, but I can't guarantee it. You need to decide if you're willing to take this risk. And the parent, the family prayed about it, and, and the daughter said, I want this operation. It's my only chance to get my eyesight back to go back to school because there was no provision for her as a blind student. And so... They did go ahead and operate. What happens is they operate one day, put a patch on the eye, and bring them back the next day to the ship to remove the patch and see what the result is, to see if they see better. Sometimes it takes a few days. Uh, sometimes the operations don't come out right. And they were. this one was a different kind of operation. We just weren't sure. The surgeon had all of us who were on the ship and really invested in this story had us braced. He said, sometimes... When you take that patch off and they haven't been able to see anything for years, their body kind of goes into shock and they don't know what it is that's happening to them. And so everyone was gathered around and they pulled the patch off her eye and the doctor's holding up a book about sharks, because I have a picture of it, <laughs> holding up a book about sharks and asked her if she could read the book and there was just silence and she was just stoic. And I was like, operation failed. And then she started to read. <laughs> and this 13-year-old girl got to go back to school and get her life back.
And, and it's those kind of stories. You know, there's a lot of mundane day-to-day stuff we see over and over, you know, treating for wounds and treating for scabies and treating for diabetes and treating for much more serious things. But, but then sometimes those are like those bright snapshots that it's like, yeah, this is why we're doing this. This is why we sacrifice. This is why we get seasick. This is why we do all the crazy things we do is, is because it gives life back to people. And it, you know, for us, going to the dentist is just a routine thing. But for them, it might be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And to have Novocaine is like, really? What's that? So, so major, major things happen um, that open the doors for the gospel. So whatever, whatever, I just want to leave you with the thought that whatever gift is in your hand, um, God can use it to reach people here in this town and all around the world. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, so a video, I don't know how many, but let's go ahead and show this video. It tells you what we do. The story of the Good Samaritan and uh, Jesus talking about who's the neighbor. You know, what must I, you know, the, the Pharisee was asking all these questions, and Jesus tells him the story about the Good Samaritan and how this man um, who reached cross-culturally across, you know, he was a Samaritan, he wasn't Jewish, he wasn't Gentile, he was sort of that half-breed rejected by the Gentiles, rejected by the Jews, and he... He, uh, he sees this Jewish man beaten and left for naked, you know, left naked and, and broken and just completely vulnerable on the road. And he, uh, and he stops and he, he bandages up the guy's wounds and takes care of him, puts him up onto a, his donkey, takes him to an inn, puts him at the inn, says, I'll pay for all of his expenses, anything that you, you know, you incur above and beyond this, I'll take care of that upon my return. And, and that's like a blank check, you know, please, you know, please take advantage of my generosity all of these things, and, and, but he did it because it was the thing to do and, and, uh, along the way. And uh, Jesus, said, Jesus said to the Pharisee, he said, you know, who proved to be a neighbor? You know, was it the, the Pharisee or the Sadducee or was it the, the, uh, the Samaritan? And he says, well, I suppose it was the one who showed mercy upon him. And Jesus said five very important words. He said, go and do the same. And so that's the essence of what we do. Um, is uh, is going and, and meeting people's needs and and uh, taking care of people that that uh, otherwise, as you saw in the video, just can't be able to look after themselves. Is the way he puts it in his broken English, his pigeon English. He, they can't be able to look after themselves, and and they just have no resources, no availability for any of those things. Jeannie said, you know, you just you, you make an appointment to go see a dentist, and you know, to get teeth taken care of there. And, and the reality is that it, these things just don't exist for those people. Um, they said, it, the guy says it in the video, there's six million men, women, and children throughout Papua New Guinea don't have the basic services they need. There's seven million people in Papua New Guinea. So that's, you know, one, one seventh of the population might be able to, to, uh, to, to get to some kind of that resource. Uh, 32 dentists in the whole country are taking care of that million people in the city centers, and the rest just don't have access to that. How many of you have seen the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, where he takes the ice skate, you know, and, and the rock, and, and, and that's, that's it's, it's, it's truer than we might want to think. Um, you can, there might be a, a one nurse for like a whole region, and uh, if you've got a bad toothache, t- tooth that needs to come out, you could go see her, and she could maybe have some pliers, rudimentary tools to be able to take that tooth out, but Novocaine is, just doesn't really exist. Um, and so the, the pain's almost worse, you know, the, the living with the pain is probably better than the, re- you know, having the tooth out. So. Um, a few years ago, uh, 
uh, YWAM really felt the Lord impress upon them the need for more ships operating around the world to be able to bring uh, bring medical services, bring community development, and the gospel uh, as a as a way to get into these places that that are only accessible by by boat. Uh, so many islands of the sea and remote regions and villages that are just inaccessible for people that live along these rivers. And so, as part of that that process, we were the we were YWAM's maritime arm. We had the ship. Um, at that point, the only ship that was operating within YWAM. And as we began to pray through that, you know, well, Lord, 40, that's a huge endeavor. You know, we were having enough trouble just being able to, to keep one functioning and, and crude and, and uh, all of the things that go along with that. So the vision of 40 was like uh, overwhelming. You know, this is impossible. Uh, and uh, so as we began to pray through that, we felt the Lord speak to us very clearly and said, I want you to sow into this vision by giving your ship away. Well, we had worked pretty hard over a, a number of years to, to get this ship paid for, to get it up and s- up to speed with a full medical clinic on board, running operational, comfortable, you know, a living environment on board. Um, we had a pretty good crew, and, and everything was functioning pretty well. And the Lord said, I want you to give it away to YWAM Australia. They had a vision to take the ship into Papua New Guinea and to, and to do, you know, work work in those, a- in those re- remote regions. And... Uh, well, we're like, but but Lord, <laughs> this is paid for. You know, we own this ship. We've spent a lot of blood, sweat, and tears getting this ship up and functioning. And the Lord said, I want you to give it away. I want you to give it to YWAM Australia to operate. YWAM Australia had put their hand up a year before and said, yeah, we really feel God wants us to take on a ship. We're willing to do that and, put, you know, and begin to build the infrastructure and fundraise and do all the things that you need to do in order to see this happen. Um, and the Lord spoke to us and said, give it to them. No strings attached. Just give it away to them. Just so into this vision because it's my vision to see 40 ships launched. 40 is just the number. It may be more than that, but just to show the scope and the uh, the idea of what God wanted to do. And I want you to sow into that. And so we, we prayed through it to make sure that it was a God idea, not just a good idea. Uh, and uh, came away. The leadership came away and really felt this was this is what God was asking us to do. And so in 2010, we sailed the ship across to Australia did a tour of a number of the cities along the coastal areas, and then we went into Papua New Guinea with them and spent spent three months doing outreaches, similar to what you saw here. Came back to Townsville, Queensland, Australia, and had a ceremonium and handed them the keys and the, the pink slip, as it were. And, uh, and then we flew home to New Zealand, the ship ministry without a ship. So we began a process of fundraising. It was two and a half years uh, of fundraising for a ship that we purchased um, for 43 million yen uh, in Japan last March, that it t- translates to about 475,000 U.S. dollars. Uh, and we raised enough to be able to purchase that and sail the ship back to New Zealand, and now we're in the process of refitting this this vessel called the Pacific Hope um, uh, into a full-on full, full uh, on medical clinic. So I just want to show you a quick video of, uh, of the ship and um, uh, several of the... the this is not a complete video. You're actually like the second or third group to actually see this. This is the first draft of the video, um, but uh, it's, so it's being completed. But this is the draft anyway. It gives you an idea of the ship and what we're doing, refitting it, and uh, the work that it'll do. It's my voice you hear on the uh, – and there's a couple of places in there where it says, please insert pictures here, that, et cetera. So it's just the first draft. But we'll go ahead and show that now.
This is the ship just as we're crossing the equator. So that's our new vessel and uh, the work that we're going to be doing to it. We've been doing a lot. We've been sort of taking through the last six months, um, stripping it all of, of all the, the stuff that needs to be taken out in order to get to that blank canvas and then we could rebuild. So now we're in that process. Uh, we're looking to raise um, several hundred thousand dollars over the next uh, few months towards all the things that we're going to need to do in, in the ship. And so um, can I any volunteers? $250,000 right now. Can I, any hands? Do I see a hand out there? Uh, come on, where's your faith, people? Where's your <laughs> um, yeah, my hand's not up either, as you can see. Um, and uh, the reality is that that's a lot of money. Um, but what we felt the Lord challenged us to say, can you find people that could do $1,000? It's like, well, you know, I, yeah, we could probably do $1,000, you know, um, uh, $100 a month for, uh, you know, a year. It's like, well, that's, that's more doable and to be part of that. And so uh, it's one of the things that we're challenging people with. Would you consider... Um, you know, maybe uh, two or three groups coming together, families coming together and say, hey, we could do, a th between us, we could do $1,000 um, toward this project. So over on the table here, we've got some flyers and some information about that. Uh, if you'd like to be part of that and, and to just say, hey, I had a, I had a hand in that. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, just believe God for it. I, you know, I can tell you some faith promise stories, you know, where you say, God, uh, I want to do this. Uh, wow, it's outside of the possibility with, you know, all of my financial considerations and stuff. But um, God's done some amazing things when I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll be willing to do that. Uh, and, uh, um, and God's met, met that need above and beyond. And so would you consider that, just praying through? You know, it's, as missionaries, we, we talk about the, you know, we've got the reality of this is how much we've got over here, but this is how much we need over here, and that difference is what we call the faith gap. Um, and, uh, uh, and so you sort, of live, you sort of live in that faith gap. David said in Psalm 37, he says, I have been young and now I am old, and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. And, and that's the, the truth of that. Jeannie and I can tell you story after story of God's provision and how he's provided. And, you know, it's, it's just amazing. Sometimes people scratch their heads and say, how do you do this? It's like, well, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but God just does all these amazing things, and he provides the difference. And, and, uh, um, and he's always met our needs. Um, uh, I just, just, I just want to leave you with a, just a really short little word. Just felt this morning as I was, you know, so I can go anywhere and preach a couple of different things and stuff. But I, um, in in John chapter six, if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn real quick to John six, 
This is the story of, of one of the, the feedings of the 5,000 uh, in John chapter 6. And uh, Jesus is, is uh, he's just preached to all these people, and he takes and he goes up on a mountain with the disciples to get away from the people, and they follow him up to this place. Uh, and so Jesus says, verse 3, Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples, and the Jewish Passover festival was near. And Jesus looked up, and he saw this great crowd coming toward him, and he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And so he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these just to have a bite. So another one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke and said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will this go among so many? And that's the question. You, know, you look at the need of the world, you look at the, at the extent of the human trafficking issues. You look at the extent of the people that, that live that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, who live without churches, who live without, without, um, without much in general, just in their, their physical needs like we've seen on the video. And, and you realize the, the, just the enormous amount of need that there is around the world. And uh, um, look at my own life and, and it's like, what is this? What is this one offering me? You know, what is this amongst so many? So much need. And that's like this, this question that, that, uh, that Philip asked. Philip asked, he says, uh, uh, with this little boy, if here's the boy with, with, with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will this go among so many? Verse 10, Jesus said, have these people sit down. And so there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And the, the story in the other Gospels tells that they, they says, bring the fish and the bread to me. And so they bring this, this, uh, this offering to the Lord. And he took the thing, and he did two things with them. Another, I think it's in Luke. It says he took the, and he blessed the bread and the fish, and then he broke it. And then he distributed it to the disciples, and they would come back for more. And he and they would, and it was just an amazing thing. This is five thousand men, and the Bible often would would just count the men. So, in a congregation of what we got a hundred people here or so this morning, raise your hand if you're a man. Okay, so what do we got? Twenty five. I so say now the ladies and kids raise your hands. See, it is a lot more. And so that's the. Thank you for those hands. I see those hands. Um, but they, uh, so that's how they counted. They counted the men. They didn't count the women and children in an, in an event like this. And so there's obviously a lot more ladies and children here that, that, that raise their hand in that second part. So 5,000, this is the feeding of the 5,000 men. So it's very likely that there was 10,000 or 15,000 or 20,000 when you begin to count the ladies and the, the people who were not counted in this uh, in this thing, so let's just say, let's just say, there's ten thousand. This is not the feeding of the five thousand. This is the feeding of the ten thousand with a happy meal. The, you know, this is what this is. The, this is the little boy's lunch. This is a happy meal. You know, you know what that's. That's it's pretty small. Little, it's a burger and fries and a little drink. You know, it's not much. It's just enough for this one little boy to eat lunch. And of all the other people, I don't know if there was more people that had had food with them that day, uh, but this one little boy comes up in his naivety says, well, here, you can have my lunch, you know. I'm willing to make this an offering, you know. And, and it's like, oh, thank you, isn't that sweet, you know. Uh, but the reality is that even if we, if we chop this up into 20,000 pieces, you know, it's not going to do much. And it's just, you know, and, and, and Philip, Philip, Philip makes the point. He says, what is this? 
when you look at the enormous task that's at hand. And Jesus said, well, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And so Jesus took this bread and this, this fish and this naive little offering, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless this. I'm going to bless this gift. And then he broke it. And then he gave it back to the disciples who then took it to the people. And when, they, when, they, when everyone had finished and eaten more than they could eat, um, there was 12. He says, gather it all up. Let's not waste any of this. And they, they gathered 12 baskets full of food that was left over. Um, and, you know, it, it just speaks to me of, of um, <coughs> you know, here I am, Lord. Here I am, this, this wonderful offering for you. You know, it's just a happy meal, you know. It, it, that's all it really is at the end of the day. You know, it's, it's, I don't have a lot to offer people. Jesus said, you know, that when he's talking about the, he says, it's not many wise, not many noble, not many of great repute and, and you know, um, uh, well-spoken. I have four minutes left. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but he said, but, uh, uh, but he says, God says, I have chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And so, uh, so let me challenge you. I just wanted to just this bring a short word, you know, that, that all of us in this room are like that Happy Meal. You know, it's like I'm just, uh, I'm just a small offering before the Lord. You know, I, I've got maybe a couple of gifts, some talents. You know, I can preach. I can do this. I can, you know. But the word of the Lord is to just bring your gift to the Lord. This bring your Happy Meal before the Lord. So, Lord, here I am. And the Lord promises that he will take that offering and he will bless you. And without the blessing of God, we're not going to feed 5,000 people. We're not going to feed anybody. Uh, we may just have enough for just us. Um, and then allow the Lord to break us, break us of all the things that he, he you know, the pride and the, the, the things in our lives that will keep us from being fruitful before the Lord and, and being able to offer uh, anything of use to people. And God promises that he will break us. That's just how God does things. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't need any encouragement in that. But he'll break us. But for the purpose of blessing the nations, Dick's been talking about how we have been blessed as a people in order to be a blessing. It's that top-line blessing of the Abrahamic covenant, that we're blessed, but not just to have, what did he describe it as, you know, this just the chills, you know, of God's presence. Isn't that amazing? But that we're blessed in order to be a blessing to the nations. Uh, and when, when, when he said that to Abraham, that word nations wasn't the geographical things that we understand. It was people groups. The ethnos is the word. It's the, the, uh, the Greek translation of the word. And it literally means all people groups. And all people groups of the nations, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation will be blessed through you because you're allowing the Lord to take you and bless you bless your gifts, break that, and then give it out. And so we take that to the people. But as the disciples got to that point, was they're handing out food to these 5,000 men and women and children, they, the baskets would get empty, and they'd have to go back to the Lord and have the Lord refill that basket. Again, this is impossible. And then they would go feed people, and they would come back for more. And so everything that I get for people, I get from the Lord. I can't just do it on my own. My Happy Meal is not going to go very far because what is this amongst so many? But in the hand of the Lord, in the hand of the Master, you can take that gift, whatever that is, that, whatever that calling, whatever that anointing is that's now blessed and now broken, you go back to the Lord daily, and God gives us enough to be able to feed the people. And so let me just leave you with that. You know, with the word that Katrina brought, with what we're feeling, what's sensing that God's doing in this area, um, 
we're going to need to go constantly back to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me again. Fill me again. I need more. Here's my little happy meal offering. And I, I want to I I let, let this be a blessing to more than just me, uh, but to many. And, to, and the promises, you know, Jesus said uh, uh, in, in the story of Matthew 25, the gifts of the talents, um, he gave out, you know, five talents to the one guy, three to another guy, or two to another guy, and then one. And he says, do business with this while I'm away. And so the first one took and he invested the five, got five more. The one with the three didn't invested and got three more. And then the one with the one just went and buried it in the ground, didn't do anything with it. And uh, so when he comes back and calls to account, you know, he says to the three, you know, the guy with the five, well done, you've done a great job with this. The one with the three, you've done a great job with this and, and you've doubled your money, enter in the joy of your master. And then with the last one, he comes and he says, well, uh, he said, I knew this is always puzzling to me. He says, I knew you to be an exacting man, that you reap where you don't sow, that you gather where you've never scattered any seed, but I was afraid, and I went and I hid it in the ground. So at least here, I haven't lost it. Here's back what you have. And he calls them wicked, and, went, and he says, you should have at least put it in the bank. You know, you should have at least done this with it. Because, but he says, you, you, you understand that I'm, a, that I'm a, um, a, a man who gathers where I've never scattered any seed. I've got this Midas touch, and so... Well, I, and the question is, what were we afraid of? I think what we're afraid of is that in my own strength, I have nothing to offer. I'm just a happy meal, as it were. But in the hand of the master, investing this and in, investing into God's kingdom, uh, it's a win-win situation. If we'll let the Lord do that through us uh, and uh, um, bless us, break us, and distribute us to the nations of the earth. And... Uh, um, that's the calling. The Great Commission is go make disciples of all the nations, of all the people groups. And that's an enormous task. And I look at it and I think, what is this among so many? I'm just doing this one little thing over here. But the Lord says, allow me to work through you and I'll bless and break and distribute it and we'll feed multitudes. And we can do way more with our gift in the hand of the Master, with our happy meal in the hand of the Master um, than we will ever do on our own. Because what is this amongst so many? There's so much need out there. Let me just pray for you real quick. Thank you for letting me take a few minutes and just share that little quick little devotional thought. Father, thank you for this group. Thank you for uh, them standing with us, Lord, financially and praying for us and being friends. And we just appreciate it so much. And uh, Lord, I ask you that all the things that prophetically even spoken this morning, Father, would come true in Jesus' name. Father, in this place, that you would do abundantly, Lord, as it says in Ephesians, that you would do immeasurably more than what we can ask, think, or imagine. And so, Lord, we pray for the nations of the earth. Uh, Lord, that you, would, that you would feed the hungry, Father, and clothe the naked, Father, and that you would release people from captivity, Father, that Isaiah 61, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, speak release of freedom for captives, and, and uh, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, Lord, I pray that from this place, there would be more and more who would go out, Lord, and more and more who would go out, Lord, into their neighborhoods, into their Jerusalem, into their Judea, their Samaria, into the remotest parts of the earth, Lord, from this place, Lord, to, to be blessed, but to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.